Today's episode is sponsored by By Heart, which is an infant nutrition company built from the ground up to deliver real innovation on behalf of babies and parents. Their mission is simple, make the best formula in the world. In our house, we never skim on family time together on the weekends. Instead of racing around crazy, we prioritize time at home, time to relax, time to do fun, crazy things that we wouldn't have ordinarily. And you know who else doesn't skim? By heart. By heart is the only American-made infant formula with globally sourced ingredients to use organic, grass-fed whole milk without a drop of skim. Whole milk is full of healthy fats like naturally occurring MFGM, which play an important role in baby's brain development and growth. Are you curious about ByHeart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com slash podcast with codename Zibby20 for a limited time. Hi, this is Zibby Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. And speaking of books, I have two of my own books coming out this spring and summer. Princess Charming is a picture book, which debuts on April 19th, and Bookends, a memoir of love, loss, and literature, comes out on July 1st, and it is truly a labor of love. I hope you'll pre-order, order, and join me on tour as I go across the country. You can find out more at zibbyowens.com or bookendsmemoir.com. And you can follow me on Instagram at zibbyowens because I always post about everything. Enjoy the show. Charmaine Wilkerson is the author of Black Cake, a novel. She is an American writer who has lived in Jamaica and is based in Italy. A graduate of Barnard College and Stanford University, she is a former journalist whose award-winning short fiction has appeared in various magazines and anthologies. Black Cake is her first novel. Welcome, Charmaine. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss Black Cake. Thank you, Zibi. It's great to be here. Amazing. Okay. I'm sure most people already know what your book is about, but if you wouldn't mind describing it for the people who don't, that would be great. Well, to give some context, it's a multi-generational story. So it goes back and forth between the past and the present, but the kernel of the story sort of revolves around Byron and Benny in the present day. Byron and Benny are a brother and sister who were once inseparable, but there's been a huge rift in their family. They haven't seen each other in years, and now they're forced to come together because their mother has just died, and she's left them this really unusual inheritance a small black cake, a traditional Caribbean fruit cake sitting in her freezer. And she's also left them this really lengthy recording on a USB pen drive, hours and hours of recording. And this whole experience is going to upend their lives because they're going to learn that nothing is quite the way they thought it was. And they're already having some issues with their own relationships and identity and their mother basically saying, guess what? My life wasn't quite the way you thought it was. Your life is not going to be quite the way you thought it would be. It's really going to change everything. That's sort of the, the, what sets it in motion. It's almost not fair, right, that she didn't get to see the effects of her, the, of the revelation, right, of like her confession like what would happen? Like as a mom, like I would want to be there to watch the shock or like, you know, when they read that letter and found out about their whole family and all this stuff. And or I don't know, I would, I, I feel like she's missing out. on. <laughs> well, and, and she wanted to be there, but there was a problem in the family. So 
her daughter basically disappeared on the family, hasn't been in touch for years. And she's, she meaning the mother, Eleanor Bennett has been waiting for her daughter to somehow come back, waiting for her children to somehow repair their relationship. And she basically decides she's not going to see them again together before Mm -hmm. she dies. And so she sits down to make this recording. It was also sweet how little details, like how she called them B&B, which she called them as kids. You know, there's always something to being called your nickname or sort of sinking back into your relationship with your sibling from when you were kids, right? It's, it was just a lovely little addition. So. And I love nicknames. I love nicknames. So I, I use that a lot in my writing. And I know you've been asked this a lot and it's been, you've written about it a lot. There were like all these articles, but if you could share the inspiration for the story, that would be great. Sure. So there are many points of inspiration. I can say that the black cake itself was something that came in later in the process. I was just writing a number of different scenes and I just had this feeling. I like to explore issues of identity and concepts of family. And I'm fascinated by the ways in which we we have our sense about who we are. And then we have um, the ways in which our sense of identity may run up against the expectations and stereotypes of other people. So I was writing this scene about these teenage girls living in the Caribbean in the 1960s, and they were different from the other girls. They were strong swimmers. They were obsessed with the sea. They had all sorts of dreams. And this dimension in their life, um, in their lives, really gets them into trouble and also helps them to get out of trouble. But this was really what I was writing when I realized that it was connected to a series of other things that I'd written, short scenes with other, with other people. And I suddenly thought, wait a second, I'm sort of writing about the same family. Mm. but in different time periods. And so that was what I was working on. And I realized, hey, I think I have a novel here. When the black cake sort of walked into the story, and if there's any specific point of inspiration, it's the cake itself. So I did not set out to write a story about a cake or about food or the diaspora of food. But a few years before, a younger member of my family had written me, had texted me on my cell phone to ask me for my mother's black cake recipe. She made an amazing cake soaked in, you know, fruit soaked in rum, dark brown cane sugar. And it was always a special thing, but I was still surprised that this person would even think to ask me for the recipe. And that got me thinking, Zibi, about the ways in which we choose to hold certain things closer to our hearts than others, the ways in which family memories and stories, again, help to form our identity. So that's going back to that other idea. So I would say it was kind of a circle of ideas that came together. And the cake just sort of was a bit of glue that focused my thoughts and helped me to start to tell this story about the power of the story, whether it is told or not told Mm -hmm. to shape our identities. Have there been sort of secrets uncovered in your own family over the years, or has this book inspired any to come to the, to the fore? Well, it's still early. (laughs) (laughs) Mm, Let's see what happens. Ask me next year. (laughs) But, um, but you know, it is, it is early. So, you know, some people have read the book. 
It is not an autobiographical tale, but without a doubt, the idea of, you know, having heard half-truths from one's elders or having heard one story when you were little and then having heard another when you were older, I would say that is the closest that my own experience comes to reflecting some of what you see in this story. It was probably much simpler than what's going on with Byron and Benny. I simply realized that when I was small, I was too small to hear certain things. And once I was a woman and old enough for maybe my parents to kind of forget <laughs> that I was old, that I'd been their kid, they were able to speak a little more comfortably about the kinds of things that we experience once we grow up, you know, in relationships and so forth. So that was the only idea that stuck with me. The fact that sometimes you don't hear something because someone feels it should be concealed or it's mm -hmm. just not the right time. But very often you don't hear something because people don't know mm -hmm. or maybe they don't think to share it. Um, and in the story Black Cake, there are a lot of different reasons why both the parents and the children are not fully sharing the stories of their lives and their relationships and their difficulties. And this creates a lot of misunderstanding. But of course, the big story is really Eleanor Bennett's past and everything that she's hidden for different reasons at different times in her life. But I would say, I don't know if you had this impression, but ultimately it's she was waiting to set things right. She was thinking she would always, she would at some point be able to correct things, set things back on a better track. And so time went by and she was living her life and she was troubled by what she had concealed, but did not feel that she could reveal it. Yeah, that's the thing with secrets. Sometimes you get the, you're in so deep, it's hard to find your way out, <laughs> find the right time. Yes, yes. And then, of course, people, well, there are issues of privacy, but in the case of this main character, you know, that's really it. She's, she feels that she's made some missteps and she doesn't know how to correct them. She keeps trying. And then time goes by. Well, I also really like how you depict life from the point of view of the child too and like this loss right right at the beginning you have a the girl whose mother she's waiting and waiting for her mother and the smell of her kissing her at night and what did you say like jasmine and something or the perfume like still lingered and she kept searching for that at night and year after year would go by I mean it's heartbreaking really it's just like a total heartbreak for this child and then the ramifications of of the loss for the dad having to like pick up the slack and do everything himself and what you do when you are charged with raising somebody and not having your main support. I mean, these are themes that are so widespread with so much loss and people in these in families that shapeshift frequently, especially these days. So talk more about that. Well, you know, as we were saying, the story goes back and forth between the present and the past. So you have these siblings learning about their mother's past. As she she's recorded this story, she begins to talk about other people. And so through these other people, we get a picture of what was what life was like for uh, certain people in the story in the 1960s in the Caribbean, a little later in the UK, and then back in the United States. And, and what happens is there is this little girl, Covey, 
in the past who, um, yes, her mother leaves early on and her father has his own challenges. He has issues and he's going to make a series of missteps that will sort of precipitate disaster in this family. And I know a lot of people who are not so happy with this guy. You know, they, mm. they say, oh, he's awful. But it's interesting when I look back and look at this character, I see someone who's kind of muddling through and who's actually done a lot of kind things for people, but he's muddling through and he mm -hmm. makes a mess of things. And he believes that he has very little choice. So you have this young girl who then begins to grow. And because she is exceptionally strong physically mm -hmm. and loves the sea and has a friend who is the same and then meets this young man who's also the same, she develops this sort of incredible strength. She becomes one of the stronger people on the island. And that imbues her with this sense of determination. And so that will shift her destiny. And we go forward in time. I don't want to give away too many. No, no, no. Things. Don't talk anymore. Okay. We'll talk about something else. <laughs> okay. We can't bubble wrap our kids to keep them safe, but we can give ourselves some peace of mind now with the Life 360 app, which I am obsessed with. I first heard about this from a girlfriend at a party who told me that this was the app to use. So I got it. And now I am obsessed. It's a family connection and safety app that lets you track the people and things that are most important to you. And it's much more than sharing location. It is about safety. It keeps families connected and protected throughout the day. Plus, it helps you find your things. So I have tiles, one of which I put on my phone, which I lose a hundred times a day, and I can find it through the app whenever I lose it. Also, it lets me put in locations of interest. So I get alerts when my kids reach school after taking the bus or when my husband gets to LA or whoever you want to track. You can do it with Life360 and feel very protected and safe and it makes life better. It makes peace of mind better. Life 360 has my family's back when they're on the road, and I can track their stuff too if I need to. Plus, of course, it's a lifeline during emergencies because you can have crash detection to know if one of the kids is in an accident and with two almost driver's license kids, that is super important to me too. So put away the bubble wrap and protect your loved ones with Life 360. Visit life360.com or download the app today and use code BOOKS, B-O-O-K-S, all caps, to get one month of the gold package for free, plus 15% off all tiles. That's life360.com, code BOOKS. So, Charmaine, how did we get here? Like, where did you start in life? Where did you grow up? When did you know you loved to write? What did you do before this book? Like, take us back. Take us through the whole thing. Oh, you don't want to hear the whole life story that I, I do. Have to offer like, about I'll do the no. no, I'll do the abridged. Let's do the abridged version. <laughs> abridged version, because the fiction is better. So there are some similarities in detail that you'll notice. I'm from New York. I moved to Jamaica in the West Indies um, as a little girl, and there is no doubt that this story, which I wrote, this um, fictional story, steals details from some of the things that I experienced, even though I was talking about a different time period. Um, so, you know, being in the garden, being in the sea, the different smells and foods, the importance of things like the black cake at certain celebrations like weddings. I returned to the U.S. and lived on both coasts of the U.S. and ended up 
in Italy, which is where I am now, coming to you from Italy right now. And so I've moved around a lot in my life. And I come from a family that is multicultural, where probably no two or three people have had quite the same upbringing. And I think that thinking about these issues of identity and shifting concepts of family and home, this kind of thinking has always stayed with me and has influenced a number of things that I've written. I mean, I've written just short stories, very short stories. But without a doubt, you see a lot of that in the novel, Black Cake. And I always wanted to write. You know, I loved stories, loved books, always thought I'd write. But it took me a while to get around to it. Does that sound familiar? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I don't have a house full of young kids as you do as a good excuse. But, you know, I was doing other things and had the good fortune to work in news and communications, writing and reading other kinds of writing and reading until finally I thought, no, 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 I need to do this. Wow. And do you have another project already in the works? Like did some other story call you already? I'm working on something else and then little stories. I'm always writing in short bursts. So I have a series of word files filled with things which could be alternately considered drivel or (laughs) short stories in the making. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's, I mean, I feel like that could apply to basically anybody writing anything, right? It could be literally nothing or it could be the best thing ever. Who knows what happens to it, right? It's whatever, where the canvas takes us. Absolutely. Which is why they say, don't ever throw anything out. Keep it. Yes. Good. Very good advice. (laughs) Very good advice. Why do you love to read, by the way? I read everything, but um, I do enjoy stories that have multiple points of view Mm -hmm. that tell a story through different characters' eyes. And so to give you a short list of completely different stories, I've always loved The Joy Luck Club by mm-hmm. Amy Tan, okay. multi-generational, mothers and daughters, family secrets, yep. misunderstandings. I love Beloved by Toni Morrison, which has a very strong voice in terms of language, use of language. It's an unusual way to tell a story. Mm-hmm. Again, multiple points of view. I love George Saunders's Lincoln in the Bardo, mm-hmm. which was in theory about Abraham Lincoln losing his son, but really was a series of stories from all of these different people who lived in his times and what they had gone through. So I like those kinds of stories. And I like Elizabeth Strout's Olive stories, mm-hmm. Olive Kittredge, Olive Again, where you're in a room with one person, let's say you're in a room with you, Zebby, and then Olive walks in. And then I'm down at the gas station and Olive walks in. And so we're seeing the story of this woman, but beginning with these other scenarios. So these are kinds of the stories, the kinds of stories I love to read. But more recently, I've read the final revival of Opal and Nev by mm-hmm. Donnie Walton, which I love. I loved reading A Little Hope by mm-hmm. Ethan Joella. Very mm-hmm. quiet storytelling with all of these lovely sensory details. And a really interesting book that I've just read is Brown Girls by Daphne Palazzi Andreades, in which she's telling the story of a number of different girls growing up in Queens, New York, 
and then they go on to become women, go on through their lives. But she's always speaking from the first person plural point of view. We, we, we. And yet she manages to separate out their stories and then bring them back together. So I love that. I love good stories, but also interesting language. Yes. Well, those are all fabulous books. <laughs> now tell me the story of getting picked to be a read with Jenna Pick. What was that like? How did you find out? Well, I heard from my editor and it was very exciting. And I heard just before it was announced, actually, I'm not sure we're supposed to say that, but, you know, it was a surprise um, because then, of course, Jenna gets on the tube and just says it. And uh, it's been amazing because she's someone who reads what she claims. She reads something like 100 books a year and a wide variety of books. And I've really loved some of her choices. So it was really quite an honor. That's exciting. Really exciting. So what advice would you have for aspiring authors? Well, I think of two writers who are very different, whose advice I really like. One of them is Julia Cameron, who has Mm -hmm. just reissued her famous The Artist's Way. I just interviewed her. You did? Yeah. Did I miss that one? I I don't think it's come out. I don't think we've released it yet. But yeah, she has a new book out. So it's exciting. Yes. So I'll let her speak for herself. But basically, one of the things that she encourages people to do, and they don't have to be writers, but it's for writers, is to just sit down with a notebook, you know, like this, first thing in the morning, and just write by freehand, your longhand, we say. And just go, just write anything. It could be your shopping list. It could be something that's worrying you. It could be an idea of an image that might end up in a story or in a piece of visual art. And I was doing that for years, not knowing what I was doing. And I kept thinking, I'm not very good at keeping a journal. I'm always going on, blah, blah, blah. And then in, in the next moment, I'm writing something that might be a story. When I read her book, I thought, you know, that's okay. If it gets you writing, Later, you can take your thoughts and focus them and work on a specific piece. The other piece of um, advice, and so really the advice is just sit down and write and don't worry about it. Write first, ask questions later. And the other piece of advice is from the writer Anne Lamott, who wrote the book. She's also on my podcast. (laughs) You see, you see. And, And of course, the book is very funny. I think the best thing the book did for me was it made me laugh. It made me laugh out loud at a time when I was being challenged because I still needed to give myself permission as a mature adult with two careers behind her to just write fiction, you know, because if you write for someone else, you already are given the purpose. You're already given the legitimacy. But if you write something from the heart and head, well, it's a bit of a gamble. And so she just talked about a number of different dimensions, but essentially, again, just putting it down, just putting it down. And it made me think of my own life as a marathon runner in the past, how often people would say, oh, my goodness, how did you run a marathon? Yeah, you know, just three miles at a time, actually. You go out and you run. And maybe you go to the gym. And maybe one day you're too tired to run. And then the next time you're running 15 miles. So it's like everything in life. You just keep, you have the idea, go forward. So that's the long, long, long book length advice to writers. Just write it down, keep going, 
Do think about where you're going later, but don't edit yourself. Don't question yourself. Don't doubt yourself. Don't worry about writing a book. Just write. I love it. Thank you. This has been so great. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for your insights and all of it. It's really exciting. Can't wait to see what you do next. Thank you. It's been great meeting you and good luck with your own books. You have a couple of books coming out. I do. Thank you. Yes. (laughs) Take care, Sibi. It's been great. Thank you. you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. 